Apple's new M1 MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, and Mac Mini are here. We talk about our hands-on experiences and why we think these Macs are so freaking amazing in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Good morning. So this is a big week for Apple. Huge. I wrote the review of the MacBook Pro, and I said that this was a revolutionary thing. I still stick by that. This this is a big week for the Mac. It is. I think it's uh, it's safe to say there hasn't been this much excitement around the Mac since they introduced the Air, the original Air. Like, there hasn't been this much buzz, this much interest. Everything's been kind of just... Every year it gets a little better. Maybe they make the display better. Maybe the, the latest Intel processor. Everyone's not, but there's not buzz. There's not excitement. Everybody's talking about it, um, and with good reason. Yeah, and the the buzz here is more universal, I guess, for lack of a better word, because that that air was, I mean, it was like eighteen hundred bucks. Someone underpowered, um, you know, super cool. Everybody wanted it, but it wasn't something that everyone was going to run out and buy. This one is, you know. Listen, caveat, I haven't actually touched the new MacBook because no one sent me one yet. But from what I read from what you guys wrote, um, this I mean, it's something that, you know, you can get in the door and get like real pro level speeds for like under a grand. It's wild. Same starting price, nine ninety nine, So thousand bucks. I, I honestly think like Roman reviewed the 13 inch MacBook Pro, the entry level pros. We talked all about the splits on these last last week. Um, or the Mac Mini, but I honestly think the MacBook, they called the MacBook Pro the uh, full expression of the M1 chip or something. I really think the Air is. I really think the impressive part to me is not in the Pro or the Mini where there's also this other high-end hardware and you can say, oh, but there's a case for that other high-end hardware to exist. And so in the Air, they don't even sell the Intel Airs anymore because this thing beats it even under emulation by a mile. And it's silent. They took the fan out. And it's small and cheap enough that everybody's... I, I mean, I think that they, they made this chip aiming it at we're gonna the 12-inch MacBook or the maybe the Air. And it was so good, they said, oh, people are going to want this in the MacBook Pro. People are going to want a Mac Mini. Like, they just they couldn't help themselves but put it in some slightly better products because it's just that good but it really seems like it was designed for the air just like the limits on ram and all that other stuff it's and and it's amazing that in in a product where the fan doesn't even spin up you can just like dump 4k footage into a final cut product project with all these things and just crank through it so much faster than the 16 inch macbook air pro that you bought for three thousand dollars last year it's just nuts it, it almost begs the question why why buy anything else than the 999 uh air i am w currently working on the mac mini review that will go probably be live by the time people listen to this that machine is 699 now it doesn't have a display or anything like that that machine is probably the best ever bang for your buck yeah yeah so like um, our speeds, I'm, I'm assuming there's a little bit better than the, the Air because of power efficiency stuff. The Mac Mini is essentially the MacBook Pro. 
without a without a display. The benchmarks are so equal. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's clear they don't have binned chips or anything. It's just cooling. And what we've seen and what everybody else has sort of tested is that after about a few minutes of cranking full full speed, the air starts to lo- lose. It's about 20% of its performance. And the MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini don't because they've got fans. <clears throat> Even losing 20% of your performance is so fast. I mean, the Mac Mini is, is that's the developer machine. It's, it's, it's funny because dev said, oh, you know, with this much RAM, I, you know, people who work in Xcode all day, they've got their own keyboards, they've got big desktops or two, something, whatever, you know, it compiles Xcode so fast that unless you've got a big old Mac Pro or, or the iMac Pro with like 18 cores, yeah, 700 bucks, plug it in your monitor. It's your Xcode machine and everybody's going, I can't deal with this much RAM. There's something about the way they're handling unified memory and the way that they're putting memory on package that we are not seeing the RAM limits that you usually see. So we all got the very base models, least amount of storage, least amount of memory. And the the things that you used to not be able to do, like just open eight apps from your toolbar and 10 browser tabs and all that other stuff. And you start to see it really tank unless you had like 16 gigs of memory or more. I'm not seeing that at all. Like at all, it's, it just powers through this stuff. That's uh, it's it's a fundamental change in how the architecture uses the RAM and how the OS uses the RAM with the, with the yes. unified structure. Yeah, yes, it's it's a change in like you don't have as much duplication between the what the GPU needs and what the CPU needs. You, they used to sort of have like a separate bank set aside for. GPU, it's all dynamic now. It's never duplicated. But also, it's right there on the package where access is very, very low latency. Uh, it's almost like an L4 cache or something. It's like right there on package. I don't know what their memory bandwidth is, but I think it's very high. And they also throw in really fast SSDs, two and a half gigabytes a second to, to three gigabytes a second SSDs, like really, really fast SSDs. So whenever you have to page stuff out to a swap file. They do it very intelligently, very good caching. It's very smooth and fast. But I would just, I would just open like eight things, eight apps, including half of them not Apple Silicon optimized apps. Run my Edge browser, which is not at all optimized, with twelve tabs open and everything, and it's just fine. It's just, and I have the eight gig nine ninety nine Air. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on there, but I, what you used to consider how much RAM you used to need to have in a MacBook, you're going to have to rethink, I think, with these. So do you think, based on your experience, do you think there will be a 32-gig 16-inch Pro, or then I'm even going to need that? I think, yeah, I think when they get to this that, that level, the 16-inch Pros and stuff, it's probably going to be stuff like 16 and 32 instead of 8 and 16 or something. There may not be for the higher end 13 inch pro i don't know but when they get to the desktops and stuff like that like i think i think there'll be some option that's more than 16. i don't know if that's going to be a different chip or just like it's that still the m1 just with the more ram like i don't I, who knows what they're going to be doing here but uh i, I my worries about like I, i've used an 8 gig macbook air it's not fun <laughs> and the, the 8 gig Apple Silicon MacBook Air is not a problem at all. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the main things we would 
always recommend whether we were, you know, spotlighting a deal or doing a spec comparison. Like, hey, you're going to want to spend that extra 200 bucks and get the 16 gig. Even though it's 200 bucks sounds ridiculous. Yeah. I still kind of think you should just because it's, it, you know, you're going to have this four or five years. It's it's not upgradable ever. It's, you know, who knows what Mac OS 11.3 is going to need. Like, yeah, I don't know. I would get it still. But I, I wouldn't worry about having only 16 in a in a thin and light notebook like this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed. If anyone's curious about the whole unified memory thing, we have an article on our website. Jason Snell wrote up kind of an overview of how it works, what it means, and how people are basically going to have to, when it comes to Macs at least, going to have to change their idea of what RAM means means when they're buying a Mac. I mean, it, it, we we see this with the with the iPhone. I mean, the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra has 12 gigabytes of RAM and the iPhone 12 has 4. And I swear it, the the iPhone feels faster for most tasks. It's a it's it's the way Apple does it. And now they're bringing that to the Mac and I wonder how if if we're going to see a shift across the rest of the PC space or it's just going to be an Apple thing. I don't know. I would have expected that with Apple um, with apps optimized for Apple Silicon with universal apps. But like for me, what was so interesting is like I fired up a couple games off of Steam. Civilization Six and Rise of the Tomb Raider. Downloaded them off of Steam. Steam, by the way, runs terribly. Just awful. It, I don't know. I mean, it works, but it's like slow and stutters and it's really like I don't. That's the one app I've used that just feels like garbage. <laughs> And, and everything else works just absolutely fine under Rosetta. But the games I downloaded, they ran great. They ran so much better than any of the other Macs that they compete with. You have to get a Mac with a discrete GPU. You have to be that far, far up the stack to get better game performance. That's running under Rosetta. Like these aren't these games have not been optimized or changed. And that's running with eight gigs of RAM. Like that's the thing where I thought, oh, this will kill it. This is games with all these textures and all this. I mean games are notoriously ram hungry it's i'm gonna put this on you know medium and run it and, or high and it's gonna chug like crazy it's gonna hit the ram limit for sure no i don't get it so you're, you're saying that the steam app is awful but the steam games are not right the steam app itself is the store and everything scrolling through it it's you get like one frame per second it just jumps and it's really really bad just like scrolling through i think it's an electrum based app it may not be anymore but it's it's yeah definitely needs some optimization um but but the games i downloaded from steam run great just surprisingly good for any kind of fanless laptop so qualcomm and microsoft both make their own arm based chip for pcs and they're just straight up horrible Yes. I mean, if I, by every metric, by every review I've ever read, they're like, do not even consider buying these things unless someone gives them to you. And then maybe then you might want it. Not You might not want it. And Apple came along and just showed people that it could be done. Some of the concerns people had when Apple said they were doing this, like, oh, they're going to be toys. And <laughs> that is not right. Or, or you know, everything's going to run like garbage unless it's like super optimized for this. And it's it really hasn't been the case at all. I, I'm, I'm just... I mean, first of all, I'm disappointed that they didn't update anything else except three function keys, <laughs> like literally nothing else. Like it's it's definitely time for some other updates to the. And Mac. I think we'll see that in 2021 for sure. 
I really hope so. I've I've never been more excited to see like what the next Mac is going to be. Like what if this is the bottom of the stack in everything? These are the cheapest Macs they make. Like what's the next step up? Because that's the that's the level of Mac that I ever want to buy is the the one right above the bottom. Never the and I never want to buy those those super pro like I'm not spending three thousand dollars on a Mac like ever like eighteen hundred uh, ish yeah is, between is my the, the ones spikes. that start yeah. at fourteen ninety nine but the the model that you want with the storage you want is like seventeen ninety nine like that's the sweet spot I think so the, I'm I'm so curious what chip they're gonna make for that I'm also curious about the other extreme is so you know the iPhone was you know 999 and then we got the 699 one then we got the uh the uh, se for for 399 will apple do something similar with these with these airs will we see a a macbook se at one point for 500 bucks right um yeah i i I really don't know let's say the m1 chip three three years from now it's still going to be really good for most people yeah i really wonder I really wonder how much of the cost of the product is is built around that chip and how much of it is other stuff or or if they could engineer a good new inexpensive frame and body and stuff and start to have they're never going to be cheap cheap but like have 699 entry level that's i mean that's that's pretty cheap and you got to assume that's at least on the horizon now that they control the whole stack i mean they don't have to worry about they're even making their own thunderbolt controllers they're not they're not sourcing anything from anyone really at least not not of any note. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not manufacturing their own flash for storage or anything. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But the the, the main components, I mean, they can you know optimize the hell out of those things, both production wise and internally and engineering, and you know create a, a map that we've never really seen before. Yeah, the the mini was five hundred at one point, but it was just a computer. You didn't get anything with it. Yeah, they yeah, can make a, no, a, a, not even a, a laptop. keyboard or anything. Right, yeah, nothing. So if they can make everybody a, wants a, laptops, a, yeah, a Chromebook type priced, you know, like like a like a mid range Chromebook, but a Mac, man, those things would fly off the shelves. I, I I already think they're going to see a lot of uplift in Mac sales oh, from for this. Sure. Just yeah, because. yeah, I mean, they already started to with the pandemic. I mean, they they sold nine billion last quarter. But this is going to really excite people. It's the products that everybody likes to buy, which is the the $999 to $1,200 notebooks, they're so much better. There's all this buzz about them. The battery life is just easily 50% longer. Just Roman, I don't know how you felt about the the pros battery life, but I just, I no matter what I did and which apps I were using, I easily found I was getting at 50% more battery life than I did on the air I just reviewed earlier this year, right? Well, when I was testing the MacBook Pro, so I did a battery life and I had three laptops running. I had the M1 and then I had two older laptops and the two Intel-based laptops ran out of battery. And then I looked on the M1 and the M1 was well over 50%. (laughs) And I sat there and I stared at it and go, is that right? Is that really right? And then as it kept going, I was at one point going, come on, we need to drain this battery. <laughs> How are we going to drain this battery? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I was just like mind boggling. I was sat there going, what is going on? Is this real? Because I'm just so used to, you know, seeing so many MacBooks over time, just so used to what we 
what we used to get and being kind of like, yeah, 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 that's nice, but it it, it can get me through the day, but it would have been nice if it was I mean, video playback's one thing and you can test that, but when you just sit there and you're browsing the web and you have a few windows open and a few tabs open and you're doing your email and you've got Outlook open and all that and you're just doing that and you get like, I don't know, five or six hours of screen on time, you know, uh, and you close your laptop a few times throughout the day when you grab something to eat and you open it up again. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty dead and you got to charge it. And now this is, it's just keeps going. It's, it's easily 10 hours of that stuff. Like I can, it's any, anyone taking this on a flight, it's not just going to be like, well, I can watch a movie. (laughs) I can watch two. Let's see. I can watch two movies if the brightness isn't up too high. And so it's, you don't have that problem at all. You just do anything you want. Just, just go. It's going to last the whole flight. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I wonder if this is the baseline now. Like, not the baseline, like, like this is it. Like Apple likes to say, okay, like the iPad has gotten 10 hours of battery life since day one. Oh, I see what you mean. And you know, yeah. gets there. I wonder if this is it, like 1720, which I mean, wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But as we, you know, enthusiasts like to say, like, just give us, give us a week long battery life, man, or a three day battery life right. or something. Because, you know, you can do they it. They definitely have room for more battery in these laptops. Like, I mean, they... They took the fan out. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious how uh, uh, somebody took a picture of the of the Mac Mini, which obviously battery is not an issue, but there was so much space inside there now. Yeah, they don't have all these ones. <laughs> Pro's got a fan, but I think it's just got one fan like on the side, kind of, and it's got a bunch of empty space up top. So, and the air obviously has a bunch of empty space, and they did not fill it with more battery. Yeah, yeah, clearly they they had a. Uh, some kind of a benchmark to meet with these and they just in the internals which apple usually is very particular about they just didn't care they just wanted to get these things out but speaking to the um the 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 possible sales boost my my dad bought one and he hasn't bought a mac in like 10 years and he called me up like on on uh, whenever they came out the next day he's like yeah i i I ordered an air i'm like you ordered a macbook air why he's like well i was reading about them and and they they just seem really cool and i haven't had one in in like 10 years like all right great that's awesome i i mean i certainly if i was had to buy a notebook now for college or something like that and I, i would couldn't wait uh i would definitely get an m1 version you know, I, I, there's nothing so mission critical that I can't deal with the occasional hiccup of a non-optimized app while I wait for the optimized apps to roll around. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a lot sooner than than Intel because uh, from what we see, it's not nearly as labor intensive to to get them to run on the M, on the silicon on the Apple silicon. Yeah, I mean Rosetta's working great, uh, and literally every single Mac app is already day one universal like everything final cut and logic and compressor and you name it um and we're starting already to see it from from other folks that adobe weirdly enough this is the this was the weirdest thing when i went to adobe's site downloaded the adobe creative cloud app which is the app you use to then download photoshop and everything else and keeps them updated that app was optimized for apple silicon not universal it was strictly an apple silicon version which is which is weird everything else says universal it runs on both it was the only one the app i've ever seen that's just for apple silicon but you download it from the web and it sees what kind of computer you have um and then they've already kicked out a beta of photoshop with for the apple silicon support it's actually also not got all the features so you know buyer beware but they're they're obviously moving quickly 
uh, can't wait to see Premiere. Uh, and, and yeah, everybody else is moving right along. A lot of stuff is already day one optimized. A lot of stuff's coming. Chrome just dropped a release that's Apple's looking optimized and had problems and pulled it, but they're about to drop it back again. Yeah, I think there's so much buzz about it. I think people are so excited about it. Developers are going to be pretty well incentivized to you know, get a version out that's universal. There may be a couple situations where you want to wait. One is if you're in a production environment where, you know, you need to make sure your stuff is compatible. Otherwise, you know, if you run into a problem and production stops, you don't want that to happen. I saw something the morning, maybe it was yesterday morning, about some audio equipment maker who had problems with the M1. I can't remember the name of the vendor. And then the other situation I thought where you might want to wait is really if you want more than two Thunderbolt ports. Yeah, right. It, it's it's an interesting thing because you they can technically do it like at any time. I mean, not at any time, but the chip has two Thunderbolt controllers on it. They just right now it's controlling one port each. So that leads me to believe that it's it's just a matter of when they release those higher end MacBook Pros. Yeah, that's un, that's unusual. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't either. I read. I forget what review. It might have been TechCrunch or one of those. One of those reviews. They said that they confirmed with Apple that there are two Thunderbolt controllers and they're they're custom. They're Apple made and they're just controlling each port one one for each port. Yeah, and or if you need multiple multiple external monitors, you can do one external monitor, which I think most people don't do more than one external monitor and the laptop's display, which is what you can do. But if you're one of those people, I need to hook my laptop up to multiple monitors. Um, you know, you still need the Intel ones for that until did, they come up with something new. The Intel Airs were they capable of doing that? Yep, up to two 4K monitors. Yeah, um, or you one also can't 6K. Have, you, you, they don't have the eGPU anymore for whatever reason, which I'm sure is correct. A very small and, subset of users, particularly at this price point. Right, and particularly with the integrated GPU being so decent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not a high-end gaming thing, but you're not buying an Air and then plugging it into a, right. a eGPU to be like a game, you know, play. Yeah, I wonder if they'll support it with higher-end or it'll just go away because they only just started doing that, like, what, a year ago? Just two years ago was the launch of eGPU, I think, and it was it's always been very sort of uh, niche and there's been like a lot of ifs and buts about it. It's gotten It got better last year. Um, yeah, I think that to me, the biggest issue is that it only runs Mac OS Big Sur. And most of the problems I've seen with an app that doesn't work right or isn't compatible or whatever has nothing to do with Apple Silicon. It has to do with Mac OS Big Sur. They made a bunch of changes to permissions and security and stuff like that. And there are apps that just haven't been updated and don't work right. And that's kind of like the that would be my biggest concern about having this in some sort of production environment or something like that is are my apps going to work right under like if i wouldn't update my os i would definitely not buy a computer that only runs that os i'm not ready to update to so i that would be my my checkbox if i was in some sort of production environment is like am i ready to upgrade my production machines to the new os once we get there i think we'll be also ready to use the m1 and stuff so wait a month or two and, and see how all your apps are doing and and all that stuff. There's definitely going to be edge cases that are never going to be solved for people. Somebody who's got an eight-year-old app that 
they can't hasn't been updated hasn't yeah hasn't been updated in eight years ones runs one thing that they absolutely have to have to do it's part of their workflow they're not willing to have a different workflow that that's what they do and they're not going to buy a different app or whatever and that's that's it and it just doesn't work and somebody's going to have that problem but i've been delightfully surprised by how well everything seems to work under rosetta emulation it's or translation i should say it's not really emulation yeah even every little menu bar utility i have all that stuff just works great roman how much did you mess around with ios apps because that's the other sort of big that was the big exciting thing for me and it's been a little bit of a letdown i did a little bit in my rush to get the review done i didn't play with it a lot i was kind of like okay this is nice it didn't do anything for me i guess i guess maybe because i wasn't looking at the right apps i don't i don't know pokemon go is not on the uh it's not available so i said forget it but, um, <laughs> uh yeah that's i i kind of started just going down the top three apps and top three games lists and stuff and and seeing what was available um and it's it's interesting because first of all all the game all the apps run great like you can just search you just there's no section for ios apps in the mac app store but you just search for an app and you have a tab that says iphone and ipad apps and the thing you're searching for might be there and i was so excited when they announced this because i thought we were finally going to get things like netflix and tiktok and all that other stuff that people want and almost all those developers have opted out <laughs> so you don't get a native netflix you know, app and stuff. I want those things because like, I want to be able to download my movie and run it offline if I'm on a plane or something and I not go to the website. So I was kind of disappointed by that. There's, but there's, I'm surprised by what is there. There's a lot of stuff there that I think people would find very useful. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of stuff like airline apps, you know, your Delta and Southwest apps and stuff like that. They're all, they're all there. And sometimes you need, you want to log into that, um, it's got you can always just you can use the the website for that stuff, right? I mean, a lot of it seems redundant a bit. Well, the Facebook app I think is available too, right? Yeah, it's, which which is one case where you'd really just want to use the the website, you know. Um, and things like Facebook Messenger have already have an, a Mac app, and you know, things like WhatsApp already have a Mac app. Um, yeah, you're not getting TikTok or Instagram things that you wish there was a Mac app for. Um, yeah, some of that stuff's redundant. Some of that stuff you could just use the, the website for. But sometimes you the websites are big and complicated and full of whatever. And you just want to pull up something that's got your profile and has your boarding pass on it or whatever, right? So it's cool that these things are there. Um, I wish not. I wish as many app developers didn't opt out. But there's definitely enough useful stuff there. I'm just... I want the next level of sort of compatibility. I want whatever the next thing Apple's going to do for this because like uh, phone apps are non-resizable. It's just like a window that's sort of a half that's height of the screen and that's a, that's what you get. Uh, iPad apps are mostly resizable. Um, but yeah, there's there's some stuff kind of kind of missing. They put some cool keyboard shortcuts to make it easier to like tap and swipe and stuff on apps, but I don't know how popular that's going to be. I mean, it, right. I, I'm sure developers will be excited about it because it's another platform they can reach, you know. But if if there is a Mac version or a even better execution on the web, 
I yeah. don't know why I would turn to. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't choose it over a Mac version. It's for all those apps where there aren't, and that's where it kind of disappointed me. Is because um, the developers didn't embrace this idea to the degree where TikTok or Instagram or something like where, that you can't do on the web that you just want to go do, um, and you wish there was an app for. You know that would be so great. <laughs> and they just said, nah. No, we don't want to do that. We, we only want to be on the phone, and that's kind of disappointing. But it's a chicken and egg situation, and there's so much buzz about these laptops that maybe some developers will start to change their mind. There are people, you know, the younger generations than me who, you know, the phone or a tablet is their primary computer, so they're used to using right. those apps, and maybe they don't use a Mac as much, and they would like they're so used to using those apps that when they get on a Mac, they still want to use those apps. Right. Or you want to co- you want to copy and paste between something or something like that, right? You know, there's a, there's a lot of value to having a couple of different iPhone apps open at once, and you're gonna copy and paste your post for your social whatever from here to there, and to, you know, the, there's a lot of cool stuff that they'd be able to do if it was a little better embraced by developers. So hopefully, hopefully more big devs just don't ch- check that tick that I can't speak this morning more devs don't tick that opt-out box and just just let it be there isn't the the ultimate goal here to have them be universal apps where they'll make an iphone app and it will populate on the mac but as a native mac app rather than just a floating iphone window yeah i mean there's more that developers have to do to make it look and feel right on the mac right like you, you're going to use the same tools, but you're really making a separate app that has resizable windows and different pickers and all this other stuff that, you know, looks more like Apple wants a developer to say, to be able to see telemetry and go like, oh, wow, I have all these customers running my iPhone app on their Mac. Uh, I should really just, you know, make a Mac version or make this a universal version. Um, Google did this kind of with uh, Chromebooks where you can you can run basically any Android app from the Play Store and they're just awful. There's no optimization. It's, it's just like the wild, like you just install them and maybe they'll work, maybe they'll be full screen, maybe they won't be. And I mean, this is already better than that. And I have to assume going forward that it'll, you know, Apple will refine it even further. I didn't try enough of them to, to really speak to compatibility problems i didn't run into any but uh you know it's not so much that they're compatible it's just that they just they're just there like there's no indication there that they're you know running anything other than just an emulation screen that has android apps yeah and and in this case the apps just fly of course because you've got what is essentially the fastest iphone chip ever (laughs) just running these things with their native frameworks all all optimized for it so i'm gonna make a a bad reach here and segue here and that and say that uh, maybe developers will be more incentivized to do it now that smaller developers can get a bigger piece of the pie. Roman <laughs> Roman has been trying to shoehorn that transition for the last 25 minutes. <laughs> so Apple announced new rates for developers, but it's in particular for developers who make under a certain amount. Uh, Mike, you wrote up the story. Can can you clarify that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's a little weird. So the the threshold is is a million dollars a year, 
So if you made, if you as a developer made a made a million dollars, or nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, or uh, or less this year, across all your apps, you'll be eligible for fifteen um, percent instead of thirty percent um, fee next year. Now, if you make one million and one dollars this year, you're not eligible until twenty twenty two. So it's 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 a calendar year thing. So you you have to make less than a million dollars in a calendar year, and then you're eligible the 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 following years. If you make a uh, a million and one this year, but only nine ninety eight next year, then you're eligible in in 2022. So it's not just a flat. If you make less than a million, you're paying this, and then over a million, you're paying this. It, it's 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 like a it's like a threshold trigger thing, and it's it's for the full 12 month period following that trigger so i don't know what listen i don't know how many developers this applies to i don't know how many developers make just about a million dollars because then you you have a decision to make in like december like do i shut off my app store purchases to stay under a million dollars like, i don't know how any of that works but it, but it's it's not just a simple thing where you know apple always does things like this and you get first of all what is it it cuts it to 15 percent, right the yeah of- the revenue under yeah under a million if you make under a million next year you're paying 15 percent. but as soon as you go over a million you're back to 30 percent for the for the next 12 months for the next 12 months so like if you're it, it if you made it less than a million dollars last year you could qualify for this small business uh program and get in you get 15 percent. but if your app blows up and makes 20 million dollars this year you're paying 15 percent on it next year you'll be back to 30 but I think it goes up once you hit that threshold within the calendar year as well. Like instantly? I think so, yeah. Okay. You're going to see a lot of small developers that have a bunch of apps making multiple uh, developer accounts and companies, essentially, to that all make you know 200000 in revenue a year or whatever to, to give them all this room not to go over a million <laughs> Yeah, because it yeah. So it says um, if if a participating developer surpasses the one million dollar threshold, the standard commercial rates will apply for the remainder of the year. And if they fall below in a future calendar year, they could requalify for the year after. So they're hitting you up, but they're not giving you any discounts if you if you fall below it <laughs> until right. the next. It's year. not a it's not a rolling twelve months. It's it's they look at the last calendar year, but as soon as you exceed it a million in a calendar year, you're back into thirty. Which seems Which unnecessarily, just, so... yeah. <laughs> like one one step forward, uh, one and a half steps back. I guess. I mean, first of all, it's overdue. They could have avoided a lot of the agita this year with Epic and monopolies and antitrust and all that other stuff. Had they done this a year ago, number well, this two, wouldn't have applied to Epic ever. It wouldn't have applied to Epic, but it also would have taken some of the teeth out of, out of their complaints. If it wasn't everybody, uh, you know, paying fifteen percent, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But at least Apple would have had some good faith arguments to say, "Hey, look, and we're 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 doing it for these developers, and if you make more, blah blah, whatever it is." Uh, number two, a million dollars isn't nearly as much as we think it is. <laughs> I think that a lot of developers probably are classified as quote large businesses because certainly all the ones that are popular. You know, it's not when you when you talk about you know. In our purchases and all that stuff, where it's 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 not much. It's and revenue again, the, across your apps. It's not your profit, right? So right. if you're a little right. if you're a little four 
person developer team and you've got middleware licenses to pay and stuff like that, then, you know, and, and API calls to your weather service or whatever the, the thing is, you're, uh, not your, your $800,000 in revenue a year, then you take Apple's cut, which now would go down to 15. And then once what's, what's left, you're not, you're not rich. <laughs> you're not making a lot of money after you pay all this stuff. So it is small. They're right in saying this is a small business. A million dollars is, for most people, is a small business. Yeah, and it's also you know as we were just discussing, the terms are a little bit confusing and somewhat draconian. It's just you know it's a typical Apple thing, where they they you know it looks good on the surface and you dive in a little bit longer. You know, you know maybe it's not quite as good as they're making it seem. You've got nothing to lose in a sense, right? It's it it's never worse. It's never like well I apply for this and you know it doesn't impose other weird restrictions on you or anything like that that i've seen um it's just you know a, a chance at lower rates for for some starting developers and stuff lower commission i should say <laughs> lower cut off the top maybe it's apple testing the waters we can hope that after a year i mean uh, who knows how long these it's the six different co countries Apple is fighting antitrust lawsuits in, you know, how, who knows how long those will go, but maybe after a couple of years of this, they go, well, this was so popular and so good. We're going to extend this to all developers or something. This could just be dipping their toe in the water. Yeah. I mean, and they have to respond in some way, whether they're forced to, or whether they do it out of the, out of the kindness of their own heart. At some point, this is going to come to a head because there's way too many lawsuits and challenges and just bad feelings all over the place. So this, this had to be done. It can, it could just be they're um, giving themselves something that's not going to cost them anything, really. Uh, it's not going to apply to enough people or enough money to really cost them anything, but it's going to let them go to court and say, oh, no, look what, you know, small developers don't have, you know, it's only big companies that can afford this that we're charging this percent to. And we, excited about our vibrant developer community and you know can do all this so this might just this might just be fodder for the lawyers as they go into court for antitrust violations and all over the world japan eu us you name it yeah it's definitely um i'm sure uh legal was involved heavily in the in the in the announcement and the rollout of this and you know we'll see we'll see where where it goes where it leads um my guess is it's not going to affect their bottom line much at all. Yeah, it's a it's one of those hockey stick curves that just curves up and you know, yeah, the top ten percent of apps make you know ninety percent of the money or whatever. So yeah, that's that. I mean, it's it's good to see. Um, there were a couple developers that already kind of blasted it. Obviously, Tim Sweeney from Epic was not happy with you know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> As, as expected, there were some that, you know, praised it. Even some larger developers said, hey, this is a good thing for the smaller guys. And sure, I, I agree with that. But um, I don't think this is it's not the last we, we're, we're going to hear from from this about this. It would make more sense. It would make more sense rather than putting developers in a box where you say you're small than just to say everybody pays 15 percent on the first million, whether that takes a week or two years. And then you pay more, and you pay twenty percent on the next five million, and then thirty yeah, percent on that. It takes Whatever, away, just... I mean, it takes away the the guesswork. It takes away the the stress if you're one of those businesses that are right at that threshold. I mean, it's just, yeah. 
first million 15 uh next 10 million 20 over over 10 30 i mean it's it's this isn't that hard to make it seem like you're being fair to everybody honestly they could just honestly what it costs to run the app store and and there is a lot of cost involved they could just just make it 10 for everyone or five frankly frankly with what the money apple makes they could make it like a credit card processor and charge everyone three <laughs> we're on everything it's a payment processor and just say boom and you know it, i don't think itunes this, this certainly isn't gonna gonna uh, dip into that at all i mean apple's they're making money hand over that, fist that's just it is that things. as they as they add all these services and they've got apple one and all this other stuff like the the need to take this cut from developers gets smaller and smaller it becomes a smaller and smaller piece of this like services revenue pie and i i, I just feel like they could just they could just win everybody's hearts instantly every consumer but especially every developer by just saying look you know what five percent for everyone we love you like we want you to make your best products here here first you'd, you'd start to get back into that world where remember remember when things used to come out on iphone first and then like an android version would come six months later after everybody figures out how to develop for Android and everything, you'd get back to that just for monetary reasons. Just I mean, because it, everyone that's, would that's still, into it. it still happens in some some cases. Google releases some stuff on iOS before Android. Yeah, that's always weird. <laughs> but it, but it, it's not like it was. You're right. That does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 722. I'd like to thank Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, just a programming note. We're going to be taking next week off because it's the Thanksgiving holiday. We're, we're, we're socially distancing from our podcast. Yes. <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes through SoundCloud or on Spotify. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or you can contact us through Twitter. That's at Macworld or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you next time.